Hello, it's me, Lily, a frog who lives in a pond and loves to tell stories. This is a very old fairy tale for you called The Legend of the Wooden Shoe, and it was first written down in 1918 by William Elliot Griffith in Dutch Fairy Tales for Young Folk, and it's here rewritten and rearranged by Marlene Werfel for Tales from the Lily Pad. very long time ago, before there was such thing as cars and soccer games and supermarkets, and even before that, before there were horses and knights and princesses reading fairy tales in gloomy high towers, and even before that, before clocks and watches, before feathered pens and ink, and before the oldest books written in the oldest languages, there were millions of good fairies living in the sun. The good fairies came down from the sun and went deep into the dark earth. In the earth, the good fairies changed themselves into roots and leaves, and eventually they became trees. They became pine trees, birch trees, ash trees, and oak trees. They stood still, mostly, until people arrived to walk among them. In this old world, people lived on acorns. They roasted, boiled, and mashed acorns. They made porridge and baked bread from acorns. They wore oak tree bark for clothing, pounded soft into a sort of leather, and they used oak timber to make boats and houses. Everything happened around and under the boughs of oak trees. If a person were sick, their family laid them under an oak tree and asked the gods to heal them. If a person wanted to become a warrior, they would kneel before their lord or lady under the oak tree and vow to protect them. Marriage oaths and other promises were made under oak trees. Babies were brought to the oaks and their mothers asked for blessings of good health, and strength and beauty prosperity and wisdom for them. The trees held the earth, the earth held the trees, and the earth and the trees held the people. Everywhere around the trees and the people was water. The people were barefoot and often afraid. The people were most afraid of a disease called voling. If the earth caught the vol, the ground would sink beneath them. It would crumble away into the water. People, houses, and animals would disappear into the watery vastness around them. The people stayed near the oaks because the trees, with their mighty roots, held the soil firm. 
and the people considered the trees to be sacred. In the summer, trees kept people shaded. In the winter, trees warmed them with fire. In the springtime, the new leaves cheered the people and filled them with wonder. And in the autumn, food fell from the trees to the forest floor. People took medicines from the trees, or the trees gave medicine to the people, depending on how you look at it. For thousands and thousands of years in this old land, people made their home in the forest and they wanted nothing else. They were happiest close to their sacred trees. But by and by, when cows came into the land and sheep and horses multiplied, more open ground was needed for pasture and grain fields and meadows. Fruit trees, apples and pears, peaches and cherries were planted and grass, wheat, rye, and barley were grown. Then, instead of living in the dark woods, people liked to have their gardens and orchards open to the sunlight. The forests had to be cut down. Men were so busy with the axe that in a few years, the woodland was gone. The people were building a new world with red-roofed houses and chimneys, pastures and windmills, churches and farms, gardens and markets. The people didn't speak to the trees anymore. They didn't ask them for medicine or blessings. There was one good man who mourned the trees. He protected the trees and he spoke to the trees still. He didn't know that the trees on his farm had tiny little men and women living underneath them. The tiny little men and women were gnomes. They wore red pointy caps and wooden shoes. They watched the good man and they were impressed with his kindness and his carpentry. They watched how skillful he was with his tools and how he made different tools and what he made with those tools. They watched him build a house for his family and they knew his family name was Ike, which meant oak in his language. They heard him whispering his worries and his sorrows to the trees about how the new land made by pushing back the ocean and building dikes might sink down again so that he would lose everything, all that he loved. But one day, he was visited by a moss maiden and a tree elf, skipping along hand in hand. They told him that his ancestral oak had a message for him. Then they laughed and ran away. Well, the good man could not believe his eyes and his ears, but he went to the trees and he stood under the grandest, oldest oak tree, the one which his fathers loved and had allowed none to cut down. As he looked up, the leaves of the tree rustled and one big branch seemed to sweep near him. Then the tree spoke to him. It whispered in his ear, in his own language, do not mourn for your descendants. Even many generations hence, shall see greater things than you have witnessed. I and my fellow oak trees shall pass away, but the sunshine shall be spread over the land and make it dry. Then, instead of its falling down like acorns fall from the trees, 
more and better food shall come up from out of the earth, where green fields now spread and the cities grow, where forests were, we shall come to life again. But in another form, when most needed, we shall furnish you and your children and your children's children with warmth, comfort, fire, light, and wealth. Nor need you fear for the land that it will fall, for even while living, we and all the oak trees that are left, and all the birch, beech, and pine trees shall stand on our heads for you. We shall hold up your houses, lest they fall into the ooze, and you shall walk and run over our heads, as truly as when rooted in the soil we will do this. Believe what we tell you, and be happy. We shall turn ourselves upside down for you. I cannot see how all these things can be, said Van Eyck. Fear not, said the tree, my promise will endure. The leaves of the branch rustled for another moment, then all was still, until the moss maiden and the tree elf again, hand in hand as they tripped along merrily, appeared to him. We shall help you and get our friends, the gnomes, to do the same first. Take some oak wood and saw off two pieces, each a foot long. See that they are well dried, then set them on the kitchen table tonight when you go to bed. After saying this, the moss maiden and the tree elf, laughing, disappeared. Van Eyck went to his woodshed and he sawed off two foot long pieces of oak timber. Then at night he laid the foot long pieces on his kitchen table. When he woke up, he hurried to his kitchen, and there on the table lay a pair of neatly made wooden shoes. They had heels at the bottom and were nicely pointed at the toes, and they seemed to invite him to put his feet in them. When he did, they felt wonderful. They fitted him exactly and made him able to walk anywhere and work anywhere, out in the fields, in the mud, and on the soft soil, and in mucky places, the wooden shoes were just the thing. The good man went to his workshop to try to figure out how to make more shoes for his family. That is when the gnomes visited him. Two tiny men with pointed red caps and a box of tools, just like his, but much smaller, showed him how to use saw, hatchet, auger, chisel, and plane to shape and work the wood into a perfect shoe. Soon, Van Eyck made a pair of shoes for his wife, his children, and his neighbors. He made shoes for the blacksmith and for the baker, for the fishmonger and the fishmonger's family. Van Eyck made a shop for selling wooden shoes, and his family and his village prospered. Soon everyone in the New World wanted wooden shoes and wool socks. Life was better since the gnomes visited the good man. Van Eyck forgot to worry about the land falling into the sea. But one morning he found his workshop filled with gnomes with their tiny toolboxes, and they had an invention to show him. They showed him a big lump of iron set in a frame with ropes to pull it up and to let it fall down again with a thump. What is it? asked Van Eyck. 
It's a pile driver, said a gnome. They showed him how to use the invention on a cut-down tree with the branches trimmed off and the top sharpened. The invention turned the tree upside down and pounded it deep into the ground. Now people can build cities with mighty churches and lofty towers and with high houses, said the gnomes, and you won't have to worry about the land falling into the sea. Did your ancestral oak not promise to help you and yours in the future? Did they not say you could and would walk on top of them? At once, Van Eyck set up a factory for making pile drivers. Men went into the woods, chose tall, straight trees, and drove them into the soft, spongy soil to make foundations as good as stone. Churches rose up, stood firm, their spires unshaken by storms. Town halls and mansions and manors were built. Cities towered between the rolling green pastures and roads between them. Cathedrals and clock towers and universities and libraries were built. The new world flourished. Now we have shoes and watches and smartphones. We have supermarkets and football stadiums and high-speed trains. It has been such a very long time since anybody has seen a moss maiden and a wood elf skipping through the woods. It has been such a long time since a bunch of gnomes helped an oak tree keep a promise to help us thrive and stay safe. Do you think those good fairies that came down from the sun are still in the earth? Do you think that little gnomes still watch us from underneath the roots of trees? Do you think we can still use our tools to make the world safer and kinder? Do you think the trees still love us and want us to be healthy and happy?